0: So, one of Christina's, my wife's favorite uh, stories to tell about me, happened a few years ago on a a family vacation. Uh, We were with my niece, Annie, and I was out in the ocean off of Tybee Island, which is uh, the coast of Georgia, Savannah, Georgia area, and we were playing that one game that you play with all little kids while you're in the ocean. Throw me, Uncle Andrew, throw me, right? Now, maybe for you, it's throw me, Daddy, throw me, Mommy, throw me, Papa, throw me, Grandma. Whatever it is, you get the gist, right? It's that game that lasts for, like, an eternity, right? I mean, it's the whole vacation. Throw me, Uncle Andrew, throw me. And I'm pretty good at it. And so we were out in the ocean, and, and this is going on for a, quite a, some time, and probably just a few minutes, but it felt like hours. Now look, right? We're out in the ocean. We've been doing this, and she's up in my arms, and I'm holding her like I'm, I'm, uh, like like she's Simba or something, right? I'm holding her, and I'm getting her, I'm getting ready to throw her into the biggest wave that's coming. When out of nowhere, I kid you not, a giant, great white shark. Yeah, right. Giant great white shark comes swimming right up to us, and so I do uh, what any good uncle does at that moment. I threw my niece, Annie, right down on the head of that shark, and I ran, <laughs> <laughs> and I booked it back to the shore, and I'm running, and I'm huffing, and I'm puffing, and after all the initial excitement, and everything starts to calm down, I, I turn back to the ocean, and I'm just, I'm worried, and I'm concerned, and I'm like, I don't know what I just did, and I'm half expected to see Annie just in, like, multiple pieces, and I turn around, and Annie's standing there, and she's... Like, I can't see her feet because she's still in the water, and she's stomping her feet, I'm sure. And she's mad at me, and she's huffing, and she's puffing. And right next to her, there it was. A dead horseshoe crab. <laughs> Not a giant white, great white shark, right? And I, I mean, I was, I was terrified. She was a little mad. Right? She was standing there, and, and next to her in that water, bobbing there, was that that dead horseshoe crab. You see, Founder Church, I, I had shown my true colors in that moment. <laughs> right? I had sacrificed my niece uh, to a crab. <laughs> right? I think you can now see why Christina loves to tell the story. Because the unexpected finally got me. I'm usually a pretty good person in an emergency. I am kind of pride myself on being calm and level-headed. But when something unexpected like a giant great white shark comes at you... You just turn directions, right? And That's just—I I didn't know what to do, but that's kind of what we're going to be talking about today, Foundry Church, right? And that's the—that's really the onion that I want to peel this morning. Take a look at it, like this, right? How do we react when the unexpected arrives, right? I all want us to think about that for a second, right? Have you ever had a surprise party thrown for you, and? And were you happy about that? Were you excited about the party? Or did you just yell and scream and you just kind of scared everyone away? Have you ever been in in an emergency situation? Right. Well, What was your response to that situation? Have you ever been in a situation that didn't go as you thought it would go? Just think about that. How did you react in that situation? How are you with the unexpected. Now, I know that we tend to fill our Christmases with all sorts of expectations, especially at this time of year. And I also know that Christmases rarely, if ever, go the way that we planned them to go. All right? How are you? So using that as the example, how are you when the perfect Christmas you thought you were going to have finally this year just falls apart? How are you then? How are you when the presents that you thought your kids would love get left in the box and they don't even give you a thank you? Now, now here's a good one. How are you when the presents that you, you get, you know, presents that you don't like? Right? There's a, another story about Annie, my niece, uh, when Christina and I gave her a present for Christmas, and she was not impressed with it at all. She was really, really little, but she was like, this is not what I was expecting from my great and wonderful and all-powerful Uncle Andrew. <laughs> I'm not gonna tell you the whole story, but just say I reacted better by throwing her at the, the shark or the crab thing, right? And then she did when she got that Christmas present, right? Cri- expectations are everywhere, and so are unmet expectations. So how are we with the unexpected, right? That's the question. And let's take it even a little bit deeper. Let's look at it like this. How do you respond when the unexpected really does happen in your life? How do we respond? How do we react when every plan we put in place falls through the cracks and nothing seems to be going right? Nothing. What are our actions when we, we don't get the job that we've been praying for? What are our feelings and emotions when our kids don't behave the way we want them to? And they're running around like chickens with their head cut off or something. Right, what is our reaction when the, the life we, we thought we would be be living doesn't live up to our expectations? We're just not where we thought we would be. We're not doing what we, we thought we would achieve yet. Are you, when those things happen, are you like a yeller like me? Right? You know, do you do you pound your fist down on the table and you scream? At God, Or are you an internalizer who holds everything inside and you, you quietly tell God that you can take care of things on your own? I got this. I don't need you anyways, God. Or do you just say, I, I knew it. I knew everything was going to fall apart. Or, or I knew God didn't care about me. I, I knew God wouldn't come through. Or, or man, I just knew God wouldn't be there. He wouldn't show up and show off. And some of you, you're looking at me and you're thinking, well, of course, Andrew. Of course that's how I responded. You don't know what I was dreaming of, Andrew. You don't know what I was hoping for. You don't know what I was praying for. You don't know what, what I've been longing for for years. You don't know the plans I had. You don't know, you don't know what God didn't do. You don't, you, why are you, you're just frustrated. You don't know. And you don't know how to respond. And you're asking, well, how else am I supposed to react in anger, frustration, right? What else was I supposed to do, right? Some some of you are in that moment of unmet expectations right now, right? We're there, we're sitting in it. Or a moment of, of the unexpected is going on in our life right now. You thought for sure you would have that raise or that job. Or that family, or that home by Christmas this year, or, or or you had no idea when that what to do when that that diagnosis came out of the left field this year. And if that's you, listen, I get it. Because let me say, me too, right? Me too. There's a list of things that I had hoped for and that I pray would happen finally this year, and they haven't happened yet. So I'm right there with you. But I believe, Foundry Church, wholeheartedly that our God has a message for us. Just as he had a message for a young girl who was met with the most unexpected moment in her life. So if you will, turn turn in in your Bibles and let's look at this young girl's story. It's going to be in Luke chapter 1. Now, if, if you don't have a Bible, you can use the Bibles that are in the seats in front of you. And you can take those Bibles with you. They're free for you to have, to use, to take, uh, to give away. There's different colors. So after church, if you want a different shade of brown (laughs) or a different shade of black, there's just, you know, some have gold, some don't, whatever. Take them, use them, give them away. Luke is in the New Testament. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, the third book of the New Testament. Use the table of contents if you need to. And we're looking for the big one, right? Chapter one. And we're going to be in verse 26 when we get there in just a minute. Now, two weeks ago, we talked about the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth. Their story comes right before verse 26, where we're going to look. And if you will remember, God sent an angel to Zechariah, telling him about the birth of their son. And even though uh, both Zechariah and Elizabeth were advanced in years, they were going to have this son. So already, God has performed a miracle in this, this story. right? But he is saying... Uh, saving one of his best for this section of scripture that we're going to look at. So Luke chapter 1, verses 26. Look at it in your Bibles. Use those Bibles in the seats in front of you. Don't take just my word for it. I got to turn that. All right. Luke chapter 1 simply says this. Verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Now keep your finger right there, we'll be right back. Right, so, our story begins in the sixth month of Elizabeth's, the Zachariah and Elizabeth's unexpected pregnancy, with an, another unexpected visit. A visit from an angel to a virgin girl who is betrothed to Joseph. Now, remember, we, we talked about this last week. Uh, betrothed, that means that Joseph and Mary were more than engaged, but not quite yet married. They were married legally, like in the first century court system but not yet between them and God and this marital covenant with God. So they were still living separately, but they were called husband and wife and could only break up by getting a legal divorce. So things were pretty official, right? Mary, the fiancee, had no doubt had a had a plan, right? She had a plan. When, when Christina and I got engaged, she had this binder, right, you know? Did any of you guys know what I'm talking about? Right? She had a binder. And in the, the binder was everything that we had to do before our wedding day. It was organized. It was color-coded. I couldn't touch it. It was definitely not to be messed with. She had a plan. right? She, she had expectations for our wedding day. And I'm sure that Mary it was no different. right? She had whatever the equivalent of a first-century binder is. She had that. All right? And with a list of things to do, and budgets, and, and plans, and hopes, and dreams, she had expectations, and then the first unexpected thing happens, an angel appears and tells her she is highly favored. All right? And I love picturing this, because the angel tells Mary this, and Mary starts looking around, she's like, huh, what, who, Right? are you talking to me? This angel, surely you're not talking to me. You must have the wrong Mary. I think you're at the wrong house. Many of us, we read this passage before, we've read it before, we've looked at this story, or maybe uh, we heard it before, and I think our familiarity can cause us to miss just how unexpected this angel even being at this woman's house is. We, We can't miss that. Notice, first of all, to whom the angel said. Right. Who, who, who did the angel go to? Not someone in power, not a, a priest or a politician, but to a peasant, a poor person and not even a man. Right. But to a woman. Right. There, there is nothing in Mary's life at this moment that warrants God's favor. And Mary, she's not rich. She's not wealthy, right? She's definitely not powerful. Mary is not a perfect human being. She is simply the recipient of God's wonderful, powerful, and more than we can imagine or comprehend, grace. There's something that is upside down about that. So Christmas begins at the bottom of the social order. Christmas begins with the unexpected, and it gets even crazier. Let's look at the next five verses. Verses 30 through verse 35. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid. First of all, that's always funny. Angels, You notice angels always say that, don't be afraid. Because angels are freaky looking, right? They're not the little cherubs, right? They're freaky looking. They got multiple eyes. It's, 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 that's a different sermon. <laughs> and the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son... And you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, right? Look at it, it's capitalized, Most High God, right? And the Lord, God, will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom, there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be, since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Now, if Mary wasn't sitting down prior to this part of the angel's message, she may have at this moment. All right, we can all agree on that. This is, this is getting choppy. This is getting crazy. She probably took a seat. Still uncertain about how this whole thing is going to happen, she asked Gabriel, how can this even be possible since, since I'm a virgin? And Gabriel explained by saying this, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, like we read, and the power of the Most High will what? Overshadow you. Right, this, this might not clear things up for us today. Right, I, just, I just threw that up there like we all would get that. Right, but, but that's not clear. We, what does that mean? Right? the 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 power of the most high will overshadow you but this this doesn't make sense to us but it certainly would have made sense for Mary right so in your bible circle the or underline the word overshadow right the the word overshadow means to cover with a cloud to cover with a cloud it is the same listen it's the same word that is used to describe a cloud from the old testament that helped lead the Israelites through the desert as they escaped Egypt. It's the same word, the same cloud, that, uh, that appeared to Moses. right? Many uh, Mary hears this, and she immediately knows that the same cloud that was a visible manifestation of the glory and the presence of God that was with Moses and the other Old Testament uh, characters was now going to do a unique work in her life, in the life of Mary. The same cloud, right? She she instantly would have understood that. She was a good student, right? She would have known that, right? This this one word sets Jesus Christ, our King, apart from any other human being ever born, right? His, His was a divine conception, not a human conception. It was one covered in the cloud of God's glory. While Jesus would have been would we'll be born as a very human being is born he would he would be born the same way his life will be different because of his conception are we tracking so so when you hear uh, that song on the radio mary did you know well after reading this uh, these verses we can answer with a resounding yes yes she did know <laughs> yes and mary mary knew now what mary did not know because of the the presence of god's glory her son would would live in perfection as the lamb of god and would take away the sin of the world uh, but you know what you know what mary also didn't know she didn't know what tomorrow would bring right she knew she knew okay the shadow of god is going to overshadow me the glory of god is in this conception but she didn't know what tomorrow would bring her life was now about to be Completely different. You, imagine all the emotions. Right? On the one hand, she she was stunned by the honor. Who, me? I'm favored. Right? On the other hand, she, she dreaded how this could play out. I mean, think about it, she knew the Jewish law. She she knew that Jewish law said that man or woman who committed adultery was to be stoned. And so she was certainly hoping that Joseph would believe her. And then she's probably thinking, wait, wh- what about Joseph? What about Joseph? Uh, how would Joseph react? She probably thought, hey Gabriel, can you go visit Joseph too? Pay him a visit? Right, all her dreams uh, that she had growing up to this point were dying. A, a part of Mary wanted to fall down in grateful praise. Uh, another part wanted to protest at uh, such an unfair, unexpected change to her life. She could throw out that binder. Right, It was no longer needed because her life had just been thrown the biggest curveball in the history of all time. Her expectations were now completely blown up. And she now had a choice to make. She had to do something. How would she react to the unexpected? Would she react or would she respond? Well, let's keep reading in the next couple of verses. Verse 36 to 38 says this. It says, and behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who is called Baird. Verse 37, for nothing will be impossible with God. Verse 38 says, and Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word, and the angel departed from her. So Mary, she's okay with this whole thing. Isn't that amazing? Why? Well, it's right there in verse 37, right? What did it say? It said, it said, for nothing will be impossible with God. And she's like, that's the God I forged my life on, right? And this is a great verse, and it's 100% true. You probably should underline that one too. And the point is pretty clear, but one commentary I read this week explained that this verse could be more literally translated as this For no word of God shall be powerless. That puts action to it a little bit, doesn't it? For no word of God shall be powerless. It's like it's alive and it's active and it's strong. Everything God says holds power, and there's nothing that can take that away. And this translation makes sense when we read her response of of, let it be to me according to your word. Right? Mary knew then, as we should know now, Foundry Church, and that this this the message God has for those of us living in the mess of the unexpected. It's simple. She knew it, and we should know it too. If He said it, we can expect it. If he said it, we can expect it because it's going to get done because it's powerful, it's alive, and it's active. The only thing we should expect in this life is that God's words are powerful and true, and they will come to pass. God's words can be trusted, Foundry Church. He will come through. We can rely on him to do what he said he would do, and he will lead us to the best place for us. Now, this makes me think of a, of a story I recently heard. It's of a free-ride skier. Uh, and I once read this story, and I don't know if you know what free-ride skiers are, but those they're the crazy skiers who they take, like, helicopters uh, up to the top of the mountains, and they, like, hike even further up. And I heard about this this guy who does this, right? They they get to the very top of these mountains. No ski lifts can go up there. They got to do it by helicopter, or they hike for days to get up there. And then they just, like, they, get, they just get to the edge, and they're just like, all right. <laughs> right. right. They just fling themselves off. That's what they do, right? And there's this one guy, this freeride spear that I heard about. His name is Jacob Smith. He's a 17-year-old, and he's legally blind. He's legally blind, and he does this, right? But on this particular, uh, on, on this particular article, they were, they were interviewing him, and they were asking him about his vision. He said, I have extreme tunnel uh, vision with no depth perception on top of it. So, so what does he see? You know, what he sees is, is blurry at best. His visual capability is like 20 over 800, right? So like some of us are like 20, 20. His is 2,800, four times the level of legal blindness. So if we think of the big E at the eye doctor and we see that and we're 20 feet away, he would need it to be blown up four times to see it from 20 feet away that e. and so how does he ski right well on competition days uh jacob's little brother preston patiently helps him hike to the top of the venue right again it's so high that you can't get there either by helicopter or you got to hike and then his father helps him get down Right. jacob he has a, the skier has a two-way radio turned up as loud as it can go in his, in his, his jacket pocket. And his dad is on the other end at the base of the mountain. And it, somehow he calmly guides his son down the mountain. And so when Jacob was asked how much he trusted his father, and this is what he said. He said, enough to turn right when he tells me to. <laughs> enough to turn right when he tells me to. And I absolutely love that. Right? And this is how I think Mary felt. I think she said to herself, I trust my father enough to turn right when I was planning on and expecting on turning left. I trust my father enough when, when he says something, I know it will happen. And I know it's going to be for my good even if I don't understand. You see, look at it like this. If he said it, we can expect it and we can trust it. And we can trust it. Because here's the truth boundary, church. God is not particularly concerned with our expectations. And I know that might be hard for some of us, right? No, he's mainly concerned with our most desperate and deepest needs. God knew, listen, grab hold of this. God knew that Mary expected to have a normal and humdrum life with Joseph. But he knew that she and all of humanity needed a savior first. God knew that Mary expected to get married to Joseph and start a family of her own, but God knew that that would have to wait because we needed a Savior. And God knows the same thing about us, Foundry Church. Right? We may be expecting one thing, but God knows what we truly need. Since the first Christmas, God has been breaking our expectations. Sure, the, the Jewish people expected a Messiah, the son of of David, to appear in Bethlehem. But they certainly did not expect him to appear there as if by accident in a barn. Although they expected the birth of a king, they certainly did not expect him to be born without dignity in that barn carved out of the side of a mountain in the city of David. Although they expected him to be Um, to be hailed upon his arrival, they did not expect shepherds and pagan magicians to welcome him, while the religious leaders who knew the prophecies by heart completely missed it. And we're no different than those Jewish people waiting for a Savior. Holy Church, we, we have placed our expectations before God, and God said, okay, He smiles at us. And he says, I have a better idea. I have a better idea. So sure, we typically do not choose our, our, our most desperate places, the places of our fears and our sins, as places to encounter and worship Jesus, but he does. He knows what we truly need. He, he knows that there are places where we, we most need him, in the darkness of unmet expectations, look, God shows up and says, let me give you what you need. That this, this is why we can expect to find God in the somber celebrations of dear friends who, due to an aggressive unplanned disease, may be sharing their last Christmas together. This is, this is why we can expect to find the God that we forge our life on in the counselor's office of the couple who don't know if they're going to make it through another year together like this. right? This this is why we can expect to find uh, God, the God that we forge our life on, in the heartbroken home of a family who doesn't have enough money to exchange gifts this year, and they just hope to make it through the month with a few dollars left over. And this is why I, Foundry Church, expect to find God in the places of my own unmet expectations, my own sinful failings. Persistent weakness and unanswered questions that I am just not wise enough to think my own way out of. I can expect to find God there. There's nothing wrong with planning ahead. I have three calendars. There's nothing wrong with setting goals for ourselves. There's nothing wrong with looking ahead. But the only expectation we should have is that the God that we forge our life on is that God who chooses to send his son into this world through a virgin girl, that that God, the God we forge our life on, the God who chose to send his son, his son to the cross after he lived a perfect life to go to the cross and die a horrible death, and the God who rose his son from the dead Right? The only thing we can expect from this God who we forge our life on to offer us hope and forgiveness and grace, that our shattered trust can be rebuilt, that our suffering isn't in vain, and that death will be swallowed up in victory, foundry church. What we can expect is that our God's gonna come again when we least expect it. The only expectation we can stand firm on is that Jesus came once on Christmas over 2,000 years ago, and he will come again. We will never be disappointed by trusting in the word of God, and we will never be disappointed by our returning king who knows what we deeply need. So now as the the band comes on up, I want to talk about an old song. Now some of you know it. In the year 1743, Charles uh, Wesley was an ordained minister of the Church of England, and and for a year, he traveled throughout England working with orphans and the poor, and as the year progressed, he became brokenhearted. He got burnt out a little bit, and he was upset about ministry. He was just frustrated, and he cried out to God. And then in, in the next year, 1744, he wrote out the words to a hymn about these unmet expectations, about his travels the year before and how frustrating it was from the lack of success and just how... how desperate he was and he writes this song i'm going to sing it for it no i'm just kidding (laughs) and it goes like this it goes the song goes like this it says this come thou long expected jesus come thou long expected jesus born you born to set thy people free from our fears and sins release us god let us find our rest in you Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth thou art, dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. Jesus, you were born to set people free. You were born a child, yet you are a king. You were born to reign in us through your spirit forever. Now thy gracious kingdom bring forth. Be thine own eternal spirit. Rule in all of our hearts alone. Be the only thing. Be thine all sufficient merit. Raise us to your glorious throne, O God. You see, Wesley knew what Mary knew and what we can cling to as well and know. When it seems like the world has done nothing but let us down and we have all these unmet expectations, we can cling to the powers, uh, to the power of the word of God and to our soon returning king, King Jesus, who will deliver us from unmet expectations of this world and from the, the, the sin that snares and entraps us. We can expect Jesus to come again, Founder Church, and take us home.